Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of the Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with, you, with Coincidence. I am Bernard Beitman, MD. I'm a psychiatrist. I study the mind and the brain. I mean, I've been fascinated with those two things for quite a long time because psychiatry is the mind-brain profession. If you pay attention to the idea, it is. That's what we do, but they don't know it sometimes, but that's another problem. Meaningful coincidences like synchronicity and serendipity provide clues to how our minds and brains connect deeply to our bodies. I mean, this is one thing. Are there people to other people, uh, nature and our environment? The meaningful coincidences occur in all aspects of life, but you know, you got to pay attention to notice them. Uh, you got to believe that they're there. Yeah, seeing is believing, but a lot of times believing is seeing. You got to believe that they're there and they have some use to you. You can order my new book coming out September 13th, Meaningful Coincidences, How and Why Synchronicity and Serendipity Happen. The order links for those of you on YouTube are right below. So my story today, the Haight-Ashbury district of San Francisco was the epicenter of hippie activity in the late 1960s. I arrived in the summer of 1968 to do a medical internship in San Francisco after four years of medical school. It took a while to get acclimated. In the summer of 1969, I had completed the internship and had a week of no obligation to no institution of higher learning. I was free. And that was before beginning my psychiatric residency. A free week! Well, I was cruising around Golden Gate Park in my 1968 Volvo uh, and saw a hippie needing a ride. She had her thumb out. I was going nowhere, which was could be anywhere, and she was going to a street fair across the bay in Berkeley, so I drove her there. She was the daughter of wealth down on the peninsula, and she introduced me to people of the hippie culture. She got me leather, suede leather pants and a see-through ruffled gray shirt and some, some other stuff so I could dress the part. Very important to dress the part. My mind expansion, expansion adventures were now fully launched because every Wednesday or, or Thursday of my first year of residency at Stanford, I completed the short weeks of that residency and drove north to the cool fog of the city by the bay, where I found adventure after adventure. There were signs on the streets in the Haight-Ashbury district saying, synchronicity spoken here. I had to keep telling myself not to get blown out, not to get blown out by all the coincidences that were happening in and around me. And so must our guest today who is a very high-frequency coincider. Catherine Windsor is an international executive 
and teamwork coach, change agent, speaker, and facilitator with 20 years of experience helping leaders and teams perform their best. She coached teams to greater performance in 40 or more countries. Her clients range from founders to CEOs of publicly traded companies and their teams. As a speaker, she has given keynotes in three languages and delivers immersive workshops. Kat is an expert in facilitating experiences from very large groups to one-on-one -on -one personal coaching sessions. She's a native of Switzerland. She has lived in five countries, is fluent in five languages, and has currently agreed to serve on the board of the Coincidence Project. Kat, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bernie. I'm so glad to be here and talk about <laughs> this very favorite topic of mine. Yes. Of course. <laughs> uh, well, yours. Let's start with that. It's been mine for a while, too. But hey, hey, Kat, how'd you get into this business? Huh? What happened? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, good question. So um, I have always had a lot of these things happen to me. And um, I found them kind of um, fascinating, interesting, and a little concerning um, because nobody else around me was really talking about these things happening to them. And um, so I had a session with a psychic and um, the psychic is a spiritual psychic. And she said, oh, you're like, uh, you need to write your spiritual story. Um, and because it will serve. And I was like, well, who wants to read my spiritual story? It's very personal. I don't think people are going to care. And, um, and then she also said, oh, you are a 33 in numerology, like a master soul. So I thought, well, maybe I should go into the desert to see if I have a vision about this. And so I went into the Moab desert to ride my mountain bike on the gorgeous slick rocks over there. And um, I came out and I really had this sense that, oh, I am just going to write 33 of my coincidence stories. And, I, and then I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I don't even know if I have 33 coincidence stories. So I came home, went to my kitchen island, and I took an index card, a stack of index cards, and I started jotting down all these things that, I've, that have ever happened to me around coincidences and synchronicities. And at 46, I stopped. And so then I went um, and told a bunch of friends, um, hey, I'm going to commit to write one coincidence stories a day. I will send it to you. You're just my accountability buddies for 33 days. So, um, and I said, you don't even need to read them. I'm just using you as an accountability buddy. So I went to Panera's every morning at six o'clock and I wrote for 90 minutes, one story a day, and I would fire it off to my friends. And I became fascinated by what happened. So first of all, my friends who, you know, I told them they didn't have to read the stories, started reading the stories. And suddenly it tapped them into their coincidences and synchronicities. And, and when that happens, when you start paying attention, there's like such a spark of delight that happens. It's just like the, oh. And so 
the impact it also had on me of writing these stories is that it, oh my gosh, it was so profound. Um, it was like, wow, there's so much more going on than we know. I may as well let go of control and, and just trust more, fall into trust, kind of leaning back because I've been very much go, 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 go um, and, and doing the right things. And suddenly for me to just kind of lean back and allow things to flow, to come through and to trust, that to me was a big shift. So then people said, well, you write such good stories, you, you need to write a book. So I started doing research on what's written out there. So I came across Bernie Meitman's book, Dr. Coincidence. <laughs> and I'm reading your book, Bernie. And I'm like going, wow, that is so significant. Like, oh, and I'm normal. That was a huge thing too. It's like, I'm normal. There's nothing wrong with me. And uh, I started reading also um, Sharon, Sharon Hewitt-Rollette's book. And she had also like, you, you have guys have categorized all these different types of coincidences and synchronicities. And I'm like, wow, I've had every single one except near death. And I really don't want that one, but I've had every single one of these and it's normal. And somewhere I read actually that someone who has a lot of coincidences, um, coincidences um, instead of it being like something bad or wrong with them, it's actually a sign that one is more open and, and it's a positive sign. And that's really kind of how I do experience life is, um, I'm an optimist and I'm kind of a positive person. So, and open. So I get these all the time. So. You, you get them all the time. Your life changed as a result of recognizing that you've been getting them all the time anyway. Uh, so as you look back on your life, uh, tell us maybe not the first one, but one of some of the more, a very prominent one, one that really impacted you? Well, I think the first one that I can remember is I was 17. I had just become an exchange student to come from Switzerland to the States. And I woke up at two in the morning and I was like, oh, I start crying. And I was like, my grandpa just died. And I just get up stunned and I go to where the telephone was and it, which was in the kitchen in that particular house. And I sit down next to the telephone and I wait. And a few minutes later, my mom calls and says, your grandpa just died. So I was like, well, you know, that is a strange coincidence. Is it a coincidence? Is it premonition, right? Um, is it, what is it? I don't actually really know, but that's just one of those stories where I was like, whoa, how did that just happen? And I mean, what would you call that? Is that a coincidence or is that, what is that? A premonition? Well, well you know, I got started, not exactly started because it started earlier, but one of my more dramatic coincidences was um, choking uncontrollably in San Francisco when I was age 31, mm -hmm. the day before my birthday. And then the next day I find out that at the same time in San Francisco, as San Francisco, 11 PM 
at 2 a.m. in Wilmington, Delaware, 3,000 miles away, my father was choking on his own blood and dying. So that got me into, well, does this happen to other people too kind of question. And I gave a name to that called simulpathity, the mm. feeling of the pain of a loved one at a distance, mm -hmm. where, which is the original definition of telepathy, tele meaning distance and pathy meaning feeling. Telepathy mm. became more cognitive uh, after that. So I invented this term. And what you experienced was you experienced crying. You were crying. You felt something. You, be, you started to grieve. Mm -hmm. And you could grieve him at a distance. And whether we call it telepathy or, or somopathy, you had the ability, because of your connection to him, to experience his death uh, at, at a distance. And these are probably more common experiences than I had known even then. And I've I did the research uh, with a questionnaire and asked people about this. And it happens to a lot of people sometimes feeling the pain of a loved one at a distance. Uh, some reporter, a journalist, independent, in interviewed me and got an article in my alumni journal, Swarthmore Alumni Journal, about me because he had something similar happen with him and his father. So this is a common experience and we get to wonder about how it happens, but it shows us that we're connected at a distance with people that we're involved with. And that was the main idea about it, not to come up with an explanation, but to continue to try to describe it. And you have had other experiences like that, right? Yeah, yeah, lots of them. Yeah. Lots of, and that's painful for you too, I'm, I'm imagining. Well, what's weird is that, so it also, I had it with my aunt and I had it with my um, grandmother. And, um, and so not then what started happening is that whenever I had a kind of a weird feeling like that, I would freak out. I mean, I was known to call my parents in the middle of the night, just saying, are you guys okay? Because I, I didn't quite know what's real and what's not. Exactly. And that's, that's so important, Kat. That's so important. I'm pausing us right there is to help us understand how to sharpen our intuitive capacities, because this is information coming from, hey, I don't know where this is coming from, but it's coming up through me. So how do I discern, and discernment is key here, how do I discern the ones that are true readings of reality and ones that aren't? Have you been able to answer that question? No, but I'm <laughs> relaxed about it now, which is nice. You're what about it now? I'm more relaxed about it now. I don't have those same freakouts. Um, you know, I do get, for some reason, because I lost a really close friend to suicide, um, I, am, I feel like I'm highly attuned to when suicide is in, is in the air, like... I feel like I have sixth sense almost around around that for some reason. 
And so I think over time and also being more involved, well, also being a professional coach where you really, you know, tune into other people and try to understand what's going on with them makes you an empath. And then with synchronicity and coincidence being involved with you and the coincidence project, it, it makes me even more of an empath. And so I really also have to, in my own spiritual practice, have to really practice boundaries. And like I put on this golden, golden shield of energy um, to, to, to not be, to, you know, to protect myself. Yeah. You, you've used the term empath a couple of times. Um, uh, are you an empath and please describe what that means to you? Huh. So interesting. Um, because, um, it's, I can feel, what other people are feeling. So that's empath, which is different from compassion. So I practice compassion as a service. And then I, I also, I, I, I use empathy in service of my clients, but I also really protect that one. I like, I need to put boundaries around it. You're a psychiatrist, how about you? Don't you have to do that? I love how people say, you're a psychiatrist, I must know something. Uh, <laughs> it's important to recognize that I got into this business because I didn't know something. I still need, there's this complex thing called interpersonal relationships, which I don't know, you, I think you know they're, they're hard to figure out. I mean, it's hard to put, they're hard to figure out. So I'm still in the process of learning how to do relationships. I think I've made some steps now. Uh, <laughs> my, and not all psychiatrists are empathic, believe me. Uh, they're very by the book and organized and mm -hmm. don't turn into emotions. But mm -hmm. em being em having empathy for someone and being an empath uh, are part of a continuum where you can feel what the other person is feeling empathically, or you can know what they're feeling cognitively, but not feeling it yourself. But when I'm, when I start, when we were talking right at the beginning today, I, my heart was vibrating with yours because we were both glad to see each other and I could feel it. And mm -hmm. so I'm open and you're open and it can happen over zoom like this. And, and that's really cool how that can happen. So we can be feeling with the other person and it's a, it's feel mit feeling. There's a Deutsche word for German words for that. It's feeling with um, mm -hmm. that it's feeling with the other person, but empath is a step further where you can deeply feel what other people are feeling especially if they're not trying to let you in, but you can still pick that up. And mm -hmm. I think you have that more, ex let's say, exaggerated uh, capacity and that you don't know that you've got it sometimes, but you still act on it. That's what I think. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I find coincidences and synchronicities um, so delightful. And um, they're so, so surprising. And every time those ha they happen, it's like a spark of light. 
And so I have this huge passion around asking people about their coincidence stories. And, um, and, and for me to share coincidence stories, because when I share, other people tune into, first they go, oh, I don't think I have any coincidences. And suddenly they go, oh, I do have a coincidence. And when they start talking about it, they're just delighted. It's, it's really has a lightening up effect. And I think we all need that. Yes, we do. And I don't know, not everybody uh, that I tell my stories to says, I got a story to tell you back. Some of them say, well, yeah, maybe. Um, but I don't know this. I, I'm more, I'm more out here in the desert than where you are, where, where it seems to happen to you a lot. What is, what is it about you telling people your coincidence stories that then seems that, to generate the other person telling you it doesn't happen. I don't have, it doesn't happen to me a, a lot of times, but it seems to happen to you a lot. Well, maybe it helps that I'm I am an extreme extrovert. I mean, on the on the spectrum of like introvert to extrovert, you will find me at the very end. <laughs> and so I am gregariously in love with people and fascinated by people. And so I know a lot of people all over the world. And so um, I had lunch just a couple of weeks ago when I was uh, in Switzerland and I saw, you know, uh, a friend hadn't seen for a long time and we have lunch and and the conversation was kind of like, you know, normal, like normal, joyful, but normal. And then I asked him, I asked him, hey, do you have a coincidence story? And and then he goes like uh, like this. And then he just like the whole energy just changed off the conversation. Like it literally moved up a notch. And he goes, yeah, actually, you know, I was at the bottom of the Eiffel Tower waiting to buy a ticket to go up. And the guy standing next to me happened to be a best friend from college that I hadn't seen in a long time. So that was interesting. The following year, he was, he said, and then the next year I went to, I was waiting at the uh, bottom of the Empire State Building in New York waiting for the elevator and the guy who walked up next to me was the same guy so for him it was so delightful to tune back into that and what does that mean and and maybe we can't even make meaning of it but there is a delight there is a energy that gets sparked and we had a great lunch i mean that just notched up the the whole lunch experience even more it was awesome that's uh that's that's pretty amazing um and what it what it tells me is what we're talking about with the coincidence project itself is that the the coincidences illuminate the the, the invisible threads that connect and unite us so it's not about how it happens exactly that i'm trying to do because we're a distance from that, but we're describing that it happens, that it happens. And it is describing these stories, describe the connections among and between people. Gosh, we're so, so much more interconnected than we're aware of. That's the idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that, this is to make us more aware of it. But you are you are a connector. I mean, you are a coincidence ambassador, really. Uh, of the type that uh, 
we need more of. And somehow how you do that, how you, yeah, you know, a lot of people, but something makes you say to certain people like this guy you had lunch with, Hey, you got a coincidence story. Something intuitively says it's a time to be able to ask that. And you have been able to do it so that you get people with you to light up. It, it pushes up things. Um, but let's talk about you. What kind of coincidences do you experience? What are, the, what are some of the more prominent ones? Well, I mean, uh, there's the ones where I bump into people in the weirdest of places. Like, I, you know, I mean, I was flying back from a business trip from Brazil and, um, you know, I, I land in Washington, D.C. to try to transfer a plane. And as I'm waiting there to, uh, to get off the plane and yawning, <laughs> yawning, you know, feeling like I'm looking completely disheveled because he don't sleep well on a plane, right? There's a guy yawning next to me and he was one of my biggest clients. And, you know, it's just like from Denver. It was just like, oh, Tom, hey. <laughs> So, you know, I mean, and they are like, I'm in Zurich airport and I'm running to catch my flight. And the other way comes um, a former boyfriend of mine who, who lives in Rome. So we're like, oh, you know, and we hadn't seen each other for a long time. And we could have just stayed to there and had a really gay conversation, but we just hugged each other and then moved on. Or yeah, they just have, those happen to me all the time like it's weird it's almost like we are magnets to each other we like vibrate or oscillate on the same vibrational frequency we're going shooting through space that way or the universe and we bump into each other because we're like vibrating or on the same frequency and and then there's people that we have not like we are so different in our vibrations that we never you know um bump into um I have 40 year strings, like I have strings that, of coincidences that um, are to me are fascinating. And so I, I want everyone to spend some time looking at the coincidences in their lives because by sitting down um, and doing that 33 day exercise, it's like I saw a coincidence is linking a string for 40 years, which, which exactly, give me so much certainty of why am I here in Boulder, Colorado? Like it led me here across multiple countries over 40 years. So there's something so nice to have this certainty. I'm in the right place. I'm doing the right thing, you know, rather than doubting or what path should I take? It's like, I'm right here. Well, you can learn that in a lot of ways, but how do the coincidences help you learn that? What were the coincidences? Well, so I, first one, 15 year, I was 15 in my hometown in Switzerland. And I, some friends say, hey, meet this guy. He's an exchange student. And I'm meeting this guy. And his name did you is... Say, did you say age 15 in Switzerland? Yes. What town? In, in Bielgen. Okay. It's a bilingual town, a half an hour away from the French border. Thank you. So, so I'm meeting this guy. And he's from Boulder, Colorado. And I just thought, oh, he has a nice outdoorsy kind of look. Okay, Boulder, Colorado. But I still remember like, bing, like Boulder, Colorado. It has a, had a resonance to it. Okay. Then fast forward, I, you know, 
two years later, I'm an exchange student and I was bored with high school. And, and so I decided to go and travel the United States on my own and um, in a Greyhound bus. So I'm traveling the country and then I remember, oh, there was this guy from Boulder, Colorado. So I go visit him. Okay. And he lives up a, a steep, windy road called Boulder Canyon. He's on lives on top of that. So I'm going up this this death road in my mind, like kind of up to, to there. So Boulder, Boulder Canyon. Okay. Fast forward, I am living in London. I'm on a yoga retreat in the countryside. And my yoga teacher is like teaching us how to chant on the Mashivaya. And, and there is two pictures that he always has, my yoga teacher. This one with a, a big bellied saint from India with a loincloth and um, another saint. So, and they were like, because of this lineage, we're chanting Om Namah Shivaya, Om Namah Shivaya. And so I'm learning that chant and it has a deep resonance. And anyway, I'm going, I'm progressing through life. Not by now, after I've lived in Madrid and Paris, I'm living in the Bay Area on Mountain View. And um, I have to thought, I'm ready to meet my guru. So I'm like, whoa, that's a strange thought. I don't even know what that means. So anyway, my yoga teacher from London says, hey, I'm taking some senior yoga students to India and we're going to meet his guru. So I thought, well, his guru is probably going to be my guru. So we're going to India, but his guru died the day before we got there. So, so what happened is that every day for the whole month, more and more sadhus and saints came to pay their respects. And so I actually met so many gurus. I cooked lentils for them. I washed their feet. Like it was like, it was a big thing. So I came, but I come back from India. going, I'm going, I didn't meet my guru. Like how strange. After I met so many, I had a huge choice. But when I least expected, I'm suddenly walking to the coffee shop in, in Mountain View. That's like a year later. Uh, or two years later, I'm walking to the coffee shop in Mountain View and I'm seeing this little Indian store, Hindu store, and it's going, okay, I finally can relate to all these sculptures. And in I, a little Indian man waves me in and I'm going, he looks friendly, I'll go in. And there is that huge on the wall, that same picture of that saint, the big bellied saint, Hindu saint with a loincloth on. And that just about like, was like, wow, that's amazing. What a coincidence that that same picture, because there's a lot of gurus and saints all over the world, right? But it's that same guy. So then this guy, Indian guy says, come back tomorrow. We have, we have um, um, my Kundalini master, um, who is going to teach a class. And, and so I walk in the following day and I'm, me, I'm walking into this, into this space where that Kundalini master is and I get electrified. Like I literally feel like a shock and I knew within split seconds that he was my teacher. So guess what? He lives in Boulder, Colorado. It, the ashram is up that windy mountain road on top of that Boulder Canyon road. And the chant we do is Om Namah Shivaya. <laughs> so it's just like, wow. Like, was that written? 
was that written? Was that written? She says, <laughs> that, that, that's a good story. Uh, you've told that one before, starting age 15? Oh, no. Never. This is the first time. Uh, no, I've, writ I've written it. You've written it, but this whole sequence you just described, you've never... I mean, it, it it seemed fresh enough, so I had to ask enough about. I have to ask about it because it was uh, whether well, this is the first time because it was so much fun riding along with you. Because uh, partly I knew where you were talking about with Mountain View and other other places, but the to to hear you say it with the well, anyway, it was great listening to you. What I'm getting so far, Kat, is that you. The two types of coincidences that seem prominent so far are the ones where uh, you feel the pain of a loved one at a distance of some form or another, and that you run into people and, and in various places. Well, you're an extrovert. You also travel a lot. You've also been in a lot of different places. Uh, you also like meeting people. I mean, that's the extrovert part of it. So you've established a very large community out there of various intensities of connection so you have that you have a lot of people that you can run into but is that still what am i what am i missing about you with the simulpathy kind of thing and running into people well i think there's also something about manifesting or when you need a sign or you're looking for a sign or some guidance that i think i have a lot a lot of those um, so like, here's my da Dalai Lama coincidence. Like I was, you know, I've been meditating for a long time and sometimes you run dry, right? Like sometimes it feels super juicy and your practice is going great. And sometimes it's just like a slog, really like. And so I was going through one of those dry periods and I was like, oh my gosh, I need some sign. Otherwise I think I'm gonna lose my practice. So. Um, I'm on a, I'm flying to New Zealand for business. I, you know, I'm going to check into the hotel. And as I'm walking into the hotel, I'm, it's like full of Tibetan Buddhist monks. I was going, this is weird. I wonder what's going on. And I'm, you know, um, Googling and it says, oh, the Dalai Lama is speaking at the conference center two hours from now. And it's within walking distance. So I'm like, okay, that's good. Let me try to get a ticket. But somehow it rejected my credit card again and again, and I get really frustrated. So I'm going back into the elevator to go um, to walk to the conference center. But as I'm opening, the door opens of the elevator, I have to step into this moving sea of Buddhist monks. I literally had to step into that sea. And suddenly I go, oh my gosh, that's the Dalai Lama right in front of me. I'm looking at the back of his head. And, and then just as I'm staring at the back of his head, having this realization, he turns and he starts walking in my direction. And I'm going, oh, it's going to pass. So I'm just going to be, you know, respectful. And he stops in front of me and he puts his hands around my hands. And I'm gone. By then, I'm like, literally, I'm in a different dimension, like just almost like the universe exploded in my head. And then I when I came back to like normal cognition, there's a little old lady who goes, want a ticket? And I'm like stunned. And I say, is it a good ticket? And she goes, good ticket, $20. So I'm like, I'm paying her $20 and I'm running to the conference center and I'm sitting down third row in front of him. 
And I swear, he looked at me and he goes, and he, he felt like when he started talking, he started talking. And sometimes we meet people from past lives or something like, so like that. Like, I felt like he was looking straight at me. But of course, he talks like that to everybody, feels like he's talking to them directly. But, but it was significant for me. So conclusion, I'm continuing my meditation practice and it has has new dimensions since that experience. I'm on the right path. I know I've been a Tibetan Buddhist monk now in the past life. I know how I've died. Like, you know, I, I have all these visions through my meditations. So it's very clear. So. What was it like for you to just tell that story, Kat? Reaffirming, reaffirming. Really, like, yeah, I am on the right path. You know, like, we, I meet, like, seeing everybody, it's like we get drawn out, our attention gets drawn out, and we get stressed about stuff. And we're in our heads, and we're trying to figure things out. And it can be really stressful if we live in that state too much. And so it's nice to just, wait a minute, there's so much more going on. And what about if we trusted that we're on the right path, that things just are aligning themselves as long as we point ourselves towards the light? What about that? Yeah, what about that? I mean, I think it's just a reminder to all of us to, to look, to focus on the light. Again and again, wherever we are, whichever situation we are, where's the light? Where's the spark? Where's the energy? I can do. Where's the energy? Uh, what is where? The, where's the light? How do you how do you answer that question? That's a really good question. Um, where's the light? Well. It's how it feels within your heart center. When there is a, and there is a, ooh, there's like an upward, there's like an expanding and upward kind of, that's where the light is. And so we need to tune in to our being and just kind of follow our heart, right? Because the heart knows where the light is. Ah, the heart knows where the light is. The heart knows where the light is. Well, I was so caught up in your stories that I want to leave up to you now where where we should go with this. What, what, what else do you want to be able to tell our audience? Well, I think we should tell people about the Coincidence Project and how cool that project is. And that like, you know, what do you, let you say something about it? Um, me? <laughs> What do I have to do with it? Okay, wait, 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 wait. So, so, okay. so to people who are listening, Bernie is the world's leading researcher on coincidences and, you know, has so many episodes and podcasts and written books and a new book is coming out and his passion is clear. His intellect and the work he's done on this is extensive. And, um, and so through the Coincidence Project, which you started with Juliet, um, you're gathering people to 
really help us connect to the synchronicities, the coincidences, the interconnectivity in life and help tell stories about coincidences because that's what that does. That's my, how I understand it. How would you explain? Well, that's, what, that's what I want to understand is how you, how you think about how, how you see it because I'm in the middle of this and it's like I have my nose on the mirror and uh, I, I can only see like my eyes or something, but I can't see, I can't see the whole thing. So I'm trying to figure out, I'm, I like to see it from somebody else's perspective. And you have a different perspective out there in Boulder, Colorado, but you're a bolder, you're bolder than most when it comes to coincidences. You're, you're out there with them. And I enjoy hearing about you and how you experience them because you're running around out there more than I do. And I, I've run around out there. I mean, I've been out there, but you really run around out there. I mean, that's, that's five languages and all the places you've, you've lived in. And now you're in the Boulder, uh, but a lot of other places. So it's fun hearing your perspective on it because I've got so many different ideas. I don't know how to organize them in a, in a way, but what, what we've done, and I think it's worth mentioning is that you are one of the, um, one of our new board members for the Coincidence Project, which is now a nonprofit. And I've been hassling with uh, Juliet about trying to make it a nonprofit here in the United States. And it's a lot of little details, which uh, ain't as much fun as running around making, having a lot of coincidences <laughs> and running into the Dalai Lama. But I, I think maybe um, we're getting to a place where I don't have to be so administrative because we've got, because we now have a board and we'll have a meeting uh, pretty soon next week. And you're on it, but what you're doing, who you are, Kat, who you are is so important to what we're doing because you go out there and tell your stories and you do it with such um, enthusiasm. Uh, and you have a light in you that's like a like like a lighter uh, and start getting you to talk about coincidence you light up and then light up that lights up the other person to use a, a very basic metaphor and then you you lighten up together with that other person so you have that you have that capacity it's not everybody does and you've wondered something about just where's your role you don't write books but you do write books with your stories out there in the world and if you start thinking about you are writing books just by your interactions with people, you begin to reminds me of what I thought about in medical school is that I was going to um, to write the story of my life on the canvas of experience that mm. I would do it on the football field. I'd run around and make touchdowns and stuff. And that was a metaphor. That was a canvas, a smaller canvas. Now it's been a larger canvas. And I try to like see that, but I'm also a recorder because I like to write. So I write down some of these things and they become like more coalesced. But you, you are out there making it happen, Kat making people think about their coincidences, which is a fundamental purpose of the Coincidence Project. So it's fun hearing you with your specialty. You have a specialty that, come on, baby, light my fire is an old song. <laughs> and, you, and you light you light fires of coincidences in other people. And wow, that's so wonderful. 
Well, well, and and so then it starts having a ripple effect because you know my I um I was in Chicago two weeks ago and my sons. So of course, my sons and my worlds like they. Oh my gosh, they're like they're so tuned into coincidences now. It's fun. And so anyway, my son goes to the office and he overseer hears one colleague say. What you doing to another colleague? What you doing um, this weekend? And the other colleague says, well, my mom's in town. It's her birthday, June 19th. And then this first colleague says, oh, really? Like my mom's in town and her birthday is June 19th. To which my son says, I can't believe I just overheard this. My mom's in town and her birthday is June 19th. Yes. And my son's younger son in, in Denver, his birthday is June 19th. And I go talk to a guy at our synagogue about uh, giving a talk uh, on synchronicity. And we meet on June 19th to talk about it a couple of years ago. And his son was born on the same day as my younger son on June 19th, same day. It wasn't just June 19th. So this Juneteenth is an important idea uh, in American history now. It's finally gotten uh, awareness that it's, a, that it's an important day. And we are, what we're talking about here, by saying Juneteenth to each other right now, we're talking about uh, more steps towards uh, equalization of the races in this country, and not just the races, but also uh, the, the genders, the sexual orientations, uh, and also religions. But we're starting with the Black experience in the United States and saying June 19th right now, Kat, you, me, other people, is a very important date, not just for us personally, but for liberation from prejudice and discrimination. Mm, yeah, I love that. I love that. It's important. It's important uh, because what I'm getting to now is that it's not just about coincidences uh, spurring other coincidences in other people. It's not just about that. It's about mapping the connections, which you are able to be, see. It's just like it's like a map that's kind of vague, and then the lines start forming in your mind. You're able to see how things work. My favorite part of one of your stories was like. And this little old lady came up to me and says, you want to buy a ticket? <laughs> want to buy a ticket for 20 bucks? You look the Dalai Lama in the eye. And <laughs> I mean, and then you, you do your meditation thing. I mean, that, that's, I mean, there's a lot of other parts of that, but that's, that's the one. Um, Deepak Chopra had one like that uh, where he's going by the bathroom and uh, his guru walks out of the bathroom at a conference. And now that became who he was, um, who he is right now. There is, there are small ones and there are big ones, small, big ones that like explode somebody uh, into where they're going. And those are really fun to see. And they're great stories to tell, but what's the reason for that? The Juneteenth idea that we just talked about is to recognize the cultural context of these coincidences that we are all connected. And what is that? And how are we connected? And what, what does it mean that we're connected? And how do we relate to each other because we're connected? Those are important questions for us to answer because I suggest in my book, and I'll say is lots of different other venues, that we are 
needing to recognize that we're headed for the sixth major extinction, that we're causing our own death, that when you talk about suicide, it's not just personal suicide, it's humanity is committing suicide right now in a very slow way, like smoking uh, is a suicidal action. Uh, so is using a lot of uh, petroleum products, a suicidal action and other things that we waste energy on. So how do we marshal these connections among and between people so that what I call the collective human organism can organize itself to help save itself from its own destructive tendencies. I think connection is 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 so key, and it's not just between humans. It's also with nature, with everything. Like I just went for a beautiful hike this morning, and oh, I just feel so connected to to the butterflies and the, to the flowers and to the clouds and. And it's, a, it's when we get out of our heads and our opinions and our judgments and we're just allowing our whole being to vibrate with our environment and attune ourselves and to each other. And that's, that's, that's I think it's mostly heart-centered connections or it's full being connections. And I think we where we go where we go wrong is that we're too much in our heads and that's where judgments and you know they don't look the right way or you know they don't believe the right thing and it's all conceptual bs really versus tuning into our full being and our heart it's uh it's such um an honor and opportunity to be able to do what you just described, to have the freedom to feel what nature has going on with it, with the birds and the trees and the coconut leaves, uh, all the things that are out there that I enjoy very much too. We have teeny little mountains here in Charlottesville compared to where you got, but I was up in the mountains the other day and such a pleasure to be able to be in a mountain lake and swim out to an island in the middle of the lake and to be able to feel the environment and to walk through this luscious green and feel the leaves kind of chlorophylling their thing with me is just uh, it's a wonderful opportunity that we have to do it. But there's a lot of people that don't have this opportunity, Kat. A lot of people can't do what we are able to do. What do we do about that? I mean, there's nature. If you only have a little balcony or windowsill, you can still plant a, a plant. I think you can, you can still sink into your heart and feel your body and be whole. I don't, I, you, if you live in New York, I lived in Manhattan, there's Central Park. In London, you have Hyde Park, you know? And basically also get out, get out into nature. It's a fast way to tune ourselves. I agree with that. I agree with that. It's a fast way of doing it. It's a fast way of doing it. Well, what I, let's go back to the Coincidence Project a little bit. Um, because I'd like, I'd like to know where you see the Coincidence Project going. Um, you're going to be part of helping direct it. And I haven't been able to ask anybody this question yet. So um, 
because we're going to have to wonder about it, but where you personally think the Coincidence Project can go. We've, we've got a vision and mission statement and all that, but what, what do you see? You're a corporate organizer. What do you well, see? I, I think that by helping people tell coincidence stories, like share and start paying attention. So it's like to enable that. It's like raise the awareness of synchronicity and coincidences, I think. And I think storytelling is awesome. Bringing people together, having fun with the whole thing and marvel and delight. Because that then, first of all, it raises the energy. It is super connecting. It makes people aware how completely interconnected everything is that we are as humans, but with everything, right? I mean, we're even with the, with the universe. Everything is like working in synchronicity. You know, we're just a tiny cell of the whole universe, multiverse. Anyway, so for people to feel the connection and then, um, so I'm seeing coincidence salons and I'm seeing, um, gosh, one could have so much fun in so many different ways with it. It's mostly seeing, bringing people together and sharing, storytelling, um, marveling. Um, well, I mean, we do our coincidence cafe on Saturdays. I think maybe we should start having meetups in local towns. Maybe I'll organize one in Boulder. Actually, I'll just do that. I am going to organize a meetup on coincidences and synchronicities and I in Boulder. And I know one thing to be true. People are going to have a good time. They're going to walk away lit up. Uh, Juliet and I call that uh, uh, synchronicity soirees. Um, <laughs> getting those together. You can get a better name than that. You came up with uh, serendipity. The coincidence Serendip cafe. Tea or synchronicity. Tea, yeah. <laughs> Come to Coincidence Cafe and have some serendipity. I love, I use that line a lot from you. So, what I'm learning about you, about you from this cat, is just where your power and strength is for the Coincidence Project. It's, uh, you know, I can summarize it come on, baby, light my fire as a way of describing it you can light the fires of people with your love of coincidences and your ability to tell the stories you tell them so well and with such enthusiasm and such heart in them so it, it it's still that old uh, idea that the medium is the message uh mm -hmm. marshall McLuhan in the 60s was but we learned it you're 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 the message as well as what you say and what i'm seeing you doing which is still pretty unique not that you're the only one because there are others that have to be doing this but you bring a kind of um, enthusiasm and uh, enjoyment and you know it's there to be had because <laughs> you're just you're just a person who loves to have a good time that's your problem you just like <laughs> i am too but you really are good at it so uh, you are you love to have a good time so get people around tell stories and have a good time and that's that's katrin windsor so okay good we need that because i'm at the learning entertainment interface i like to have a good time while learning and that's what you're talking about doing so when i think about the specialties of the people in the coincidence project on the board uh 
I now have a clearer idea of what your specialty is. This gathering people together. I hope you do the the coincidence. What are you going to call it? Uh, the gathering in Boulder. I don't know yet. All right, let's see what you come up with. But maybe when I'm there on a Monday, I can show up at one of these things and see uh, and see what happens and see who you see what you've gotten going. Because it might be fun to be able to to try that out just to see what you've got. But you have a talent. We have one. We have one guy, uh, David, who's like uh, big on the trickster, uh, and and he brings that in. And uh, you, trickster is very important part of all this. Hey, how'd this happen? The trickster is activated, and uh, we have another person who does like Mary Kay Lennon does the the I Ching. So we got people who have certain specialties. I have this. Um, I've had this old idea for a long time that I wanted to have something like the X-Men, the, the comic book and movie people, and that I was Professor X, Professor Xavier, and I was, uh, I was the professor of this school of mutants who had mm -hmm. special talents. Yeah. And, and uh, I, just, I just had this, I just liked the idea of that. Uh, and that was like 10, 15 years ago, and trying to be able to think about that. But now I'm doing that in my mind. I mean, this is my game. I'm playing it. You don't have to do it. But you've got a talent that I see, a special talent. You, you, you tell these stories and you ignite other people's enthusiasm and their light. And that's wonderful. And that's a very important role in this, uh, this thing, this coincidence project we're doing. I'm, part of my role is to help the members of the board develop their innate capacities regarding uh, coincidences. And, you know, like, yeah. So like, maybe I'm a last girl or something like, <laughs> so you have different, different people with different skills. Um, superpowers. Yeah. Yes. And then we'll attract all these other people who want to be part of this and they will so enjoy themselves. It's a cool journey and it gives people hope. Like it gives me hope. Um, yeah. 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 Well, elastic girl, at least for now. Um, <laughs> we're, we're, I'll be curious to see what you come up with. Um, yeah, we'll see. Because it has to do with being able to tell stories and elicit them from other people in the way that you do the connectedness things that you experience, the feeling of other people that you have, a uh, feeling for other people that you have. Uh, and your sequence stories, those are great. I mean, as you said, in the middle of telling the story of how you got to the, 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 the painting again of the, the big bellied guru, was, was this written, you asked? Is this written? It, it's just too good a story. Looking back, it looks like somebody wrote the thing. So that's where you get this faith thing. It looks like, a, but no, it's, it, but no, and yes, it was written. It was written by Catherine Windsor um, in the context that she had to deal with. You had the pen and the typewriter uh, and the paper and the fingers, and you wrote the story, but you used what you had around you going here and there to make it happen. That, that's my particular view of it, that we need to take more and more responsibility for how these things play out rather than attribute it only. But there is a mystery 
only to something else outside of us. You made a lot of decisions that made all of that stuff happen. But how that $20 ticket showed up in your life, we can wonder about that and how she knew to do you. I mean, there's some parts of this that are really mysteries, so we don't know. But we've come to the end of our time together. Uh, and I'd like to end this with asking you to tell our, our audience a little something personal about Kat Windsor besides her birthday is June 19th. Oh my gosh, but I just said so many personal things. <laughs> yes, you did. You did. But you live in Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. Um, and you, you just said a little bit of what living in Boulder, Colorado is for you. Besides, uh, you go, yeah, you, you go out, but uh, in the in the forest and stuff and yeah you, you have some children i have two sons this have functional adult young adult sons who also now are tuned into their coincidences including their girlfriends and so including uh, their girlfriends oh you're great you're great you, <laughs> you, 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 i think of myself as a coincidence fairy dust person spreading it around but you have got more fairy dust go going on that so the girlfriends now do it too oh. my my husband of 28 years also is to is into them and my friends so um we have what else i um I love nature. My goal for this, this year is to hike five segments of the Colorado Trail, um, spend 10 nights sleeping under the stars in the wilderness, um, to four meditation intensive retreats up in the mountains at that ashram, looking at that big bellied saint with his loincloth on. And um, I love to dance, ecstatic dancing, like free form, like all out, having a really great time. And um you know, I have friends all over the world, so I do like to visit and be in touch with with friends. We're I'm part of a global village. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Yeah, this has been great that you've been on the show with me because I really got to know you better than I had before. Um, just to see who you are. But my most important question for you is: There's ecstatic dance in Boulder. Oh yeah, it's big. Isn't it big everywhere now? No, 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 it isn't. Uh, like Philadelphia doesn't have very much. Uh, Charlottesville has more, for example. It isn't everywhere. Uh, you got to look for it. Um, but we got that around here. And it's kind of fading away for various reasons. And I hope it comes back. It's still going on. Mm -hmm. But at Boulder, I can imagine they're really jumping around a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's very therapeutic. It's very tension-releasey. Um, and it's super fun. So and it's yeah. super fun. Well, I appreciate knowing how much you're into fun. I kind of knew it before, but I really see it. Hey, she likes to have fun. That one. <laughs> she likes to have fun. And that's really important. And uh, all this coincidence business, having fun, enjoying yourself, and especially enjoying yourself with through coincidences is part of what we're doing with the coincidence project. And I finally have a title for my book. It's called Struck by Lightning, a Collection of Coincidence Stories. All right. All right. I'm glad you're getting I'm glad you're getting there, Kat. I'm glad yep. you're getting there. I'm glad you're getting there. You'll have a book too. That's good. So 
again, we, we're heading for the roundup on this. Yes, yes. thanks a lot, Kat. Thanks, Bernie. You're welcome. It's really been a, a pleasure getting to know you better on this. So thanks for, thanks for talking with me and I'll see you at the next, at the first uh, board meeting. Okay. Okay. See you soon. Thank you. This psychosphere is a mental atmosphere like a hologram of cosmic consciousness.